the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're continuing this week with our walk through the liturgy. We started two weeks ago just realizing as we came back from COVID, as the full breadth of our liturgical offerings and program offerings were coming to place, we would do well to pause briefly and think about what it is, how we do it, why we do it, where we're being pulled forward. So we've gotten as far as the peace. That's where we were last week. And I was meaning to pick up right there this week, except for the fact that during the liturgy last week, there was a moment when, you know, I've talked all along, Shmeimon bringing us up to the gates of heaven, just that movement from, from bed to to coffee maker to car to west door to procession leading us all right up to the gate. It was that moment happened for me and it happened in the middle of the choir anthem and you've got to hear j just that moment one more time. Just, just brilliant Gerald Near. There's like not anything to say after that. You know, you, I'm, just, I'm just face down at the gates of heaven. Bless y'all. Thank you for that. Truly bless y'all. So the role of, of music, we've just barely even touched on that. But I just, just had to, that's that moment, I think, where, where certainly priest wrapped up in the torn curtain between the Holy of Holies and, and the place for the people wrapped up and disappearing in the presence of God. I felt every moment of that last week in the liturgy and felt like, oh, we've got to just do that very briefly again this week right there and point it out. So, so we're, we're through the peace. After the peace comes something very mundane, but it happens every week, the announcements. We do the announcements. It's unfortunate where we do the announcements because it, it conveys the kind of sense that it's halftime. Or someone said earlier in the day, seventh inning stretch. Seventh inning stretch. The prayer book says we can do it in one of three places. We could do it before worship, before we begin. We can do it after the peace, and we can do it at the very end of the liturgy. Well, we don't do it before worship. Why? There's nobody here. <laughs> 
and we're less likely to do it at the end because we're eager to get on to whatever's next. So we do it in the middle, but when we do it in the middle, it emphasizes this division between the liturgy of the word, the sort of teaching part of the liturgy, and the liturgy of the table, the, 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 the part of the liturgy in which we are coming together and becoming one with his body. And ideally, these are one together. It's a pragmatic compromise we make, but one that we make for the sake of good order and participation in the life of the church beyond the Sunday assembly announcements. Now, announcements then end typically with a sentence from Scripture, and the prayer book says it could be any sentence from Scripture. I have served in some places where the regular sentence was John 3, 16 and 17. Here, the, the one that seems to be mostly used is the walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God. The emphasis in that sentence from Scripture is on Christ's sacrifice. And that's meant to be the segue between announcements and what's the very next thing that's happening? The offertory. So I'm interested in that. How would, is anybody here, how would you make the connection between Christ's sacrifice and what we're about to do in the, in the assembly? Earlier in the day, someone said, well, you're going to ask us to sacrifice. And I said, well, that might be part of it. I think we don't know what's happening at the offertory anymore. We ask of this moment in the 21st century five things that the tradition typically has assigned to this moment. We're going to offer our tithes. We're going to provide alms for the poor. We're also going to address institutional needs, special offering, a special walk, a special ministry in town. We're going to bring in in-kind gifts. We do a clothing uh, a coat and mittens and sock drive or school bags. We do that at the offertory. And then, of course, then we do the fifth. Oh, we might do, somebody said food. Uh, food as in like canned goods and the like. Okay, canned goods. I'm going to put that with the in-kind pieces. I'm with you there. What, what, so that's the in-kind. That's the fourth. What will be the fifth one? Oh, the, 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 preacher's, the preacher has been rescued by the one sitting in the front row. Front row school teacher brought the apple. Brought the apple. She said the elements, the bread and the wine, are being brought forward. We do all of that in those five short minutes, those five things we, we condense into this minute, and we've sort of lost sight of what it is we're doing there, except for possibly helping the church pay its bills. So, three little vignettes that might help tease out some of these things. First, first century apostolic house church. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and house churches are popping up around the countryside. 20, 30, 40 people will gather in a home. They sit in the living room around the corner. And at this moment, just this moment, before we move to the table and start blessing bread and wine, the deacon comes out, Caroline today, with a wicker basket and begins to pass it from person to person. And people put in bread they've brought from home. 
a wineskin comes out and you pour in. Everybody's got, they're making their own wine at home. You, you haven't got the liquor store to go to. So you, you, you pour in some of the wine you made at home. And that gets brought to the altar. Stuff of your hands, bread, wheat, kneading, the hours of your life represented in that offering to the table. The apostolic offering, the sub-apostolic offering was just that way. And then you might have bowls at the door where alms for the poor could be provided or institutional needs at another door. So come with me to another little vignette. Uh, Eastern Africa. I do an exchange in the early 2000s with a bishop in in northern Uganda, southern Sudan. Six months I'm there, six months he's in the parish I'm serving. And on the way back one afternoon, one weekend, from Kitgum to Kampala, we stop at James Hannington Memorial Chapel. James Hannington was a missionary to Uganda, martyred while there. This chapel was built in the place of his martyrdom. And that afternoon, they were having services. It turns out that would be, it would be a three-hour Sunday service with baptisms. I was asked to participate in those. And the time that it took for the offertory was just about one full hour. 300 people gathered, music and dancing all throughout the offertory. The first offering was a coin and paper offering that people would come down the center aisle like they were making their communion and just leave it across the semblance of a communion rail. They'd leave it right there and the matriarch would come and gather it up after. Then, once everyone had had a chance to come and leave that offering, there was the agrarian offering. And you'd come forward with potatoes and eggs and chickens. And there was this one night, there was this one pig just outside. One pig! outside the chapel. And then after all of the agrarian offerings were made, it's like the sacristan stood and began to auction off all the food. And in that moment, the hair on the back of my head, this, this sort of Western, very sort of sheltered, protected, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm hearing, I'm hearing money changers, this is not right, something's not, something's not, something's messed up took a while, but by the end of the time of auction, I realized there are no refrigerators here. There's no guarantee that these eggs make it from the altar even to the market where they might be. This was the way this church needed to provide for itself and to make use of the offering. Moreover, it was fully transparent and accountable. Everybody could see exactly what was happening and what their offering might have been worth. The stuff of people's lives were being brought to church with them and presented before the throne of God, asking for God's blessing. One more vignette, mega church in Nashville. I know that's not places you're likely to show up very much, but this preacher, every now and then, just to know what's going on, Sunday afternoon, I might pop into one. And these days, there's no offertory at mega churches. Did you know that? There's a giving kiosk at the back. And as you come in or as you leave, you swipe your card. Some of us are always, to a certain degree, giving that way, maybe with an automatic bank draft or something like that. But the idea that you've wholly removed the act of offering from worship, that's novel for Christians. That's a loss for us. 
We're already a little bit disadvantaged because we're giving in so many different ways outside the assembly that this moment is no longer a moment where we're putting our hearts and the stuff of our lives on the throne of God asking for his blessing. And that's some of what needs to be recovered. If not in actual practice, then certainly by intent. The rector will not be calling for an agrarian offertory in the coming weeks. But I do encourage you to think of the gift you make in this moment or the gift that you've arranged to be made represents the stuff of your life. In the same way that an agrarian society influences the nature of the the, uh, offering made here, let's just be clear, a capitalist society, worship within a capitalist society, influences how we value our lives and that our money is representative of the stuff of our life. So I encourage you, when you see in just a very few moments the offertory procession forming in the back of the church after alms basins has been passed, they stand there with cross and and candles and then with elements, bread and wine, and they come forward and Lissa will be standing right here at at the altar when those, when the alms basins are placed here, she will take the bread and wine unconsecrated, hold it, and some form of prayer is prayed here, often silently, but in right one in the old days, as it were, we used to say something like, all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. We give to him the stuff of our lives, and it comes back to us in the form of his son's body and blood. May it be so for you today. We'll have one more time together. Uh, uh, The next time we're together, and we'll look at the Eucharistic prayer, I've said these things to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.